Hey listeners, it's good to be back with you again today. I'm excited for this episode. I have a friend, Ken Brubaker, and we're going to be discussing the struggle that someone has when they face same-sex attraction. Ken is going to be sharing his story, and then we're going to be talking about how the church can be a place that's safe for people who face same-sex attraction and what Jesus has to say and has to offer someone who deals with this. It's a topic that we don't hear a lot about, and that's sad because there are many among us who struggle with this but face incredible shame because they struggle with it. And I think a lot of it is just that we don't have conversations about it. And so I'm looking forward to this conversation with Ken. Um, Just by way of reminder, this is a listener-supported show. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Asher Whitmer and become a member from $1 a month to $100 a month, whatever you want to give. If you select $5, $15, or $25, there's a bunch of bonuses that come with that level of membership as well. I also just want to shout out to my friend Corey Steiner, who provides the intro music for this show. I'm excited and blessed to have his work a part of my work in this way, and you can go check him out at coreysteiner.wordpress.com. Sorry, I think that's coreysteinermusic.wordpress.com, or you can check him out on Facebook. He has an album out, The Good Wins at the Last. And now for my conversation with Ken Brubaker. All right, welcome to Unfeigned Christianity. Uh, got a friend on today, new friend. It, we um, reached, he reached out to me a couple of years ago, and then we met each other for the first time back in March. So this is October now, so about six months ago. And then we've had some email message dialoguing back and forth over the summer the last month or so and and i'm i'm excited for this interview it's good to have ken brubaker on the show on the episode here and basically i'm gonna have ken just share his story but just by way of introduction ken is from uh, southern ontario is that right that's right i I just assumed um mennonite from canada i figured southern ontario (laughs) (laughs) um A couple of years ago, I, f- I forget even what year it was, um, a lot of it motivated was motivated by a book that I was reading at the time on same-sex uh, same sex attractions, uh, wrestling through same-sex marriage, and s- so forth. And I wrote an article, I think, or a Facebook post just discussing some of that and kind of how it's not... I'm not sure if this is exactly what you responded to, but I remember writing something about how it's not really talked about in our Anabaptist churches. And I had quite a few people, I I don't remember right offhand, um, in a matter of a week, I think it was close to 20 uh, emails and messages, enough that it kind of overwhelmed me. And I'm not sure I responded to anybody immediately. Um because I was in the middle of working, finishing my own book on Live Free, just my own struggles with sexuality and, and more heterosexual struggles 
And I realized that the conversation I just opened the can to is is way bigger than what I had the time and and space to look at. And so I kind of shelved it. And then um, later, I, even over the year or so, I, I had more trickle feedback. And what is this? 2019. So yeah, I published my book in 2018. And then kind of right away, my goal was to to pick those conversations back up. And I was blessed to be able to meet Ken here at um, Men, the Men of Valor conference in Indiana in March. And he came up to me and, and mentioned you and Ray were there. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we had a brief dialogue there, just enough to connect the dots that you are the Ken Brubaker that had reached out to me. And, and so I just asked Ken if he would come on and share his story because um, two things. One, this conversation is not really had in our Anabaptist churches. And secondly, when it is had, it's kind of like racial issues. It, it tends to be had by people who don't deal with it, who don't face it. And so I, I just wanted to hear from someone who who has journeyed this themselves. I, I have... And we'll get into this a little more, Ken, as you share your story and so forth. But I've heard such a spectrum. Um, I would read books. One of the, the most impactful books that I've read is uh, People to be Loved by Preston Sprinkle. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I'm not, no. Yeah. Um, very, probably one of the most thorough exegetical biblical resources on dealing with same-sex marriage but also very pastoral in how to walk with people who are facing this. Um, yeah. And what was I going to say about that? I forget now. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Let me see if I can bring it back up. You were talking about people to be loved. Oh, the spectrum. Yeah. He talks. Yeah. yeah just some of the stories in there were unbelievable. Like, uh, stories of abuse, stories of people who grew up in, in healthy homes, like not your stereotypical unhealthy whatever, but still struggled with it. And I, I noticed in the responses that I got that there was that type of spectrum. Young, old, yeah. people, we'll, we'll hear more from you, but people similar to your story where it was an instantaneous freedom. Um, another older man who's married, who's, who still faces it but has has found I would have to go back and look but I think a lot of the ones I I got responses from were felt like they were walking in freedom walking in a a level of of freedom from that and I I would yeah just to, again to clarify what the freedom is is that they're not just like a heterosexual man not looking at pornography or lusting after other women who's not his wife in a similar way not acting on those temptations and urges and mm. so we're going to start with you your story is unique it's a bit graphic and i think all of our stories are graphic <laughs> if we're honest yeah and but yeah i i just um i would love for my audience to hear kind of your upbringing your setting you grew up in Southern Ontario, conservative Mennonite community, conservative Mennonite church, and then how this 
the the struggle with same-sex attraction came to be um so yeah ken thanks for being on why, why don't you just take it here and we'll sure listen in and i'll jump in with questions as we go sure well i'll start to wing it then because i don't know where else to, where to start either so yeah. um yeah, like we talked earlier, I don't know what to say and what not to say. Everyone still is alive in my story. And, and you know, the grace that God showed me and, yeah. and did in my life is available for every single person who who has been in my life as well. Amen. So, you know, that's really the most, that's probably the thing that I want most to have mm-hmm. people here. Mm-hmm. Um, when it started, I don't know, because I don't remember when it started. Um, I was born that way. Hmm. Um, as in, as in, as, as long as I can remember, I had, was sexually attracted to men. Hmm. Um, sorry, can I clarify something? Was that just men or like, yeah. Oh, I've never lusted after a woman ever. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I I can with certainty tell you that. Yeah. 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 And that's not to make anyone who does feel bad is just the truth. Yeah. Um, so as I know that as early as eight, I was acting out with other, uh, kids. So, uh, so the, the attraction was already then and, and earlier. Wow. So prior to that, I was sexually abused by a neighbor man. Uh, it was nothing violent, nothing. The, the most outstanding thing about it, is that I didn't understand what was happening. Hmm. Right? So you were younger than eight years old. Yes. Yeah. I would say between four to six. I don't know for sure. It's okay. a bit of a guess based on the age of the siblings that I know were along. So yeah. um, the thing about that was that I didn't understand the significance maybe of that. Yeah. I don't know. That was, I think that was a big part of, of, of how it started probably. It doesn't really matter anymore, but uh, yeah. that I clearly remember now not have not un- I did not understand what happened to me. My my mind wasn't able to process what I saw. Yeah, it was it was stuff I didn't know about yet. Wow. Um, later in life, I think it was maybe in my teen years when suddenly it all it all came together. It's like, oh, that's what happened there. It had to be. There's no other thing this could have been. Yeah, it's like it. So, and, and at that point in life, it was just like, well, that is what it was. Um, wow. So, so I think that was probably a big, a big yeah. factor in the struggle in the start of it. Were Were you? Would you have noticed yourself being attracted to other men before that that abuse? I, I was that young. I it don't was know. So young, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so and then going forward from that, I mean, as far back as my mind can remember, I was attracted to men. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I did not feel uh, love for my dad. He loved me. He took good care of me. He taught me how to work. He taught me to take responsibility. I love my dad. Hmm. Um, but as a child, I didn't feel his love. Hmm. So. So he didn't get through to my heart yeah. for whatever reason, right? And I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not faulting him, but it is what happened. So um, out of that came a desire to be loved, yeah. or or yeah. the desire, the 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 um, 
need the the need for love in a in the child's heart wasn't met. Mm-hmm. And you can you can uh, you can be it's a built-in desire put there by God. Yeah. So uh, you can guarantee that every kid is gonna go fill that need if it's missing. Yeah. So so um, mine turned sexual, and I want it to be loved by a man. Yeah. So yeah. so something about that turned sexual. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it already was the desire yeah. was already, there, but it, it just it was that was the yeah. way that I understood love to be received by from my dad or a man. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of seems like that's almost how all of us experience it. Like the the desire to be loved turns yeah, sexual. Whether yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's the same. Yeah. So, so that's uh, that's the what I call the critical vulnerability in my life, mm-hmm. and that's because I'm an IT guy. Yeah. But there was <laughs> there was uh, this 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 was a thing in my life. So it was a matter of time until the right person in the right place comes along that meet that that matches that deepest longing and desire in my life at that point yeah for it just to happen yeah so so i look back at my life now and it was predictable the sequence of events that happened in my life Hmm. was guaranteed to happen wow um based on on where i was as a person it was just a matter of time until enough life had passed that that i would meet a person who would want to fill that need for me yeah 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 you know, without Jesus stepping in and changing things or intervention, yeah. that yeah. that's what was going to happen, and that's what will happen to any person who's got uh, yeah. a strong propensity to lust or or, or, yeah. or that uh, that favorite lustful desire that's not ever been met. Yeah. If yeah. the chance happens, it will it will take place. It will take yeah yeah guaranteed. And and so would like were you looking at pornography like same-sex porn or anything up until this time or was it just kind of this lingering uh longing that then somebody came along and it filled the vacuum that is what happened yeah because i have i think like i got my first phone when i was 18 yeah cell phones weren't really a thing we didn't have internet at home at that point so i had no access to porn to begin with yeah. The other thing is, for as far as I was concerned at that point in life, this was just a thing that kids did, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know any adults who did. And then, you know, I grew into my teen years, and it was like, what was that when I was a kid? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Nothing good, really. We, how did we get into it? No one told us not to. No one told us we should. It was just kind of gray. Just probably would have better been better if it didn't happen. So I kind of put it behind me, and, and and at that point in my life, it still was a thing that that was a kid thing. I had no clue that adults do that kind of stuff at that point. Wow. wow. So so it's weird how small minded I was and how far into it I was at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go for it. You you can keep going if you're. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, so. So um, I had great youth years, 
still obviously the struggle was always there and, and and it sounds the same as the heterosexual struggle yeah you know, in the summertime people wear less clothes yeah and so so that was obviously obviously a problem for the whole lust thing um but i, I had a great relatively great teenage years uh met my wife we married and uh not too long after that my father-in-law proposed sex to me wow and my first reaction was uh well it's not my dad but it's my father-in-law maybe this would work hmm. okay because you remember the what I was talking about my critical vulnerability mm -hmm. that was what I was analyzing right mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. I had this uncanny ability to know that my heart is broken needs repair and I thought that sex would fix it mm -hmm. obviously not true um, but that's how I considered it from at that point yeah where I was at right the second one was surprise like I said that adults do this I thought it was only kids so again, just small-minded. Mm -hmm. um, so of course, I consented, mm -hmm. and and it didn't seem like in any way that I compromised my marriage because that was a totally different thing. That was I that was marriage to my wife. This was a pursuit to fix my broken heart. Mm -hmm. And you you processed that cognitively, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes. It was intentional. This yeah. was not a thing. This was an intentional. This was an intentional search for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's why I began that's why I started. Or or that's why that's why the that's why what was in my mind started began to act out. I was serious about fixing my broken heart. Yeah. So that went on for uh four ish years at least. And there was points in time where I, I requested for, you know, I said, that's it, I'm done, because I was sick of it. I, you know, at the same time as I enjoyed it, I'd feel used, it wasn't working, didn't seem to, it was just, this, just a, it's just a treadmill. Hmm. Um, I didn't understand why, uh, why it didn't stop. Why, why it had to be me who was on, on the receiving end of, of this, because, uh, there was other teens locally who I wasn't the only one. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, well, leave me alone and go find someone else. Why, why, why can't that work? Well, he was also addicted. I didn't understand that then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Again, small-minded. Yeah. So um, that went on um, until we hired in our company a guy who uh i got to know and uh he was open and honest about life and struggles and 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 you know all the same topics that you discuss and that was for me um he had a difficult life growing up and and yet he was facing it and and, and he was open about talking about it and so he worked for us for a while and then and, and you know i thought over time it was like over time, I gained, he gained my trust. Yeah. And uh, I began to consider the idea of telling him or asking him, you know, hey, you know, if, I didn't know anyone who, 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 I didn't know who to talk to. Hmm. 
There was no one in my church that I, that I knew who to talk to. Nobody that I thought might understand. So I thought I was alone. I was the only one. Yeah. Um, so I considered for a whole year and then I, I, then I made up my mind that I'm going to reach out to him. Wow. So it was it felt so like thought, a really risky thing, obviously. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, well, it was like this. So the reason why I got into this was to fix my broken heart. And, and, and finally, I got to the point where I said, this isn't working. Yeah. It's not doing what I set out to accomplish. Yeah. Right, I was intent on fixing the ache in my heart, and I was going to find whatever it was that was going to be the answer. If this wasn't going to do it, then I was going to quit and do something else. So again, very rational and logical way of thinking through yeah. it. And and it wasn't that that I was going to quit because it was bad yeah. or wrong or or whatever. It just it wasn't was, giving. I was on a pursuit to fix the actual issue. Yeah. Right. Wow. What I didn't realize in that moment was that, that that I had reached the end of myself. Like I had done the very last thing that I knew to do mm-hmm. on my own to, to, to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that Jesus would be the answer. Hmm. Wow. I was already a member in the church. I had already done the, the – I was baptized and did – well, you know, you get you become a member. That's That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. So, so I was by by all appearances and by what they said being a member is I was one. Um, I hadn't in my whole life ever heard a minister say, um, preach a message saying that that Jesus can set you free from homosexuality. I'm 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 fairly sure that I never heard that one time across wow. the pulpit. Um, Did you hear that Jesus hates homosexuals or anything like that or? No, it just wasn't just, talked about. So, so, so the conver- so the conversations that was that were had was, um, you know, if, if if the topic comes up and then it's like a funny joke, and oh, everyone, yeah. Yeah. Is, right, and and you're like, that's me, yeah, right. You're laughing about, me. right, yeah. So. That was about the so so that's about all that happened that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But people do need to realize when they if they make light about anything that they're doing that to someone. Yeah, there's someone who's struggling in the area that they're making light of. Mm-hmm. And that it's not. I mean, so obviously yours is very closely connected with abuse. You being violated by other men. Um, mm-hmm. but even so, like, this isn't just a, a guy being feminine or wussy. Like this is the, his makeup, who he is. Yeah, that's right. It is your, it is, you are, you are speaking about someone's entire identity because it's as, as a part of that person as your heterosexual sex drive is of, is of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yes, for sure. And and at that stage in life, that was that was personal. That that was personal. That was a part of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and all that changes when when you realize 
what our identity is in Christ. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no part that's not Christ. It, it, you know. Yeah. So. So what? If you had never heard a a preacher talk about this, what led you on to the fact that Jesus could provide that freedom? After I became a Christian, I struggled with the idea that I was one and didn't know I was pursuing it. I struggled with the idea, I struggled with a lot with the thing that I knew and I knew that I was a Christian now. There was nothing that was going to, that, that could convince me. It, I knew in my heart it was settled that I was a Christian now. And I struggled a lot with the thing that, that I had become a Christian without even knowing I was pursuing it, without even intentionally pursuing Jesus. I had become one. You, th- you thought you were a Christian yes. all these years and you're struggling with this. Yes. And- and, and this was just yeah. part of the struggle, and, yeah. and it is for some people. I'm not saying, but that's that was just yeah. it. So, so I struggled, but but salvation is a free gift. Amen. Ultimately, yeah. it, it is, and so so I, I fell into it without knowing what I was what I was falling into, and and Jesus loved me into the kingdom. I was never convicted of my sin. Wow. I was never convicted of my sinfulness. I was loved into the kingdom. I realized how much Jesus loves me. Yeah. It was just mind-blowing. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit because I think think anybody can identify with that a little bit. Um, What do you mean by Jesus loved you into the kingdom? Or you're saying Jesus didn't like grip you with such conviction that you're doing this evil thing. No. No. How how did Jesus grip you or how did jesus i'm not sure because so so i i got up the courage to 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 talk to my friend i sent him a text message and said hey we need to talk yeah um and and i i I didn't say what i just said we have to talk and and there was enough in the message that 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 he knew i i can't remember how i phrased it but i sent it i was putting the kids to bed and i was basically saying hey we need to get together to talk um, my oldest daughter was in bed lying down asleep. I sent the message and I said, oh crap, what have I done? Wow. She sits up in bed, puts her arm around me, says, dad, I love you. Oh, wow. Flops down, goes to sleep again. So, so in that moment, that was pretty, pretty validating because it's what I needed right then. Because mm-hmm. I had just basically made the commitment to talk about my problem. Yeah. I had no clue yet at that point what would happen. I just figured we could hang out, we could figure it out, and, and something, you know, the, the problem in my mind at that point was just that this w- relationship would end. Yeah. Um, so we got together, we hung out, we went out for supper. I didn't uh, tell my wife why. I just said I'm going to go hang out with a friend because I was going to just take make this go away and life would go on. Yeah. But uh, God had other plans. Um, yeah. So, so we met, I'm sure we prayed, um, but past that, all, all I did was say, here's, here's what's going on and I don't know what to do about it. Wow. That's really all that happened that night. Nothing amazing, nothing crazy, but it was December end of 2013. Wow. And, and when, so, so that was that. And, uh, 
so what when thing when things started to really come together for me was a, a week or so later I was driving down the road and it was coming up to the weekend and I was just you know what are we doing this weekend oh we have a Christmas gathering at my parents and then I was like just like this passing thought oh I should buy my dad a Christmas gift yet like before before Christmas gathering mm-hmm. and then I almost hit the ditch as I analyzed what I had just thought, because I was like, where did that idea come from? Because you didn't typically get your dad a gift or? Never. Yeah. Wow. Never wanted to. And and here I was having, the, it was just this thought, like I recognized that this thought was coming from inside of me, just like, I want to do this. Yeah. Oh, I need to get this done yet before the weekend. Yeah. And and it, it blew me away. I was like, wow. what world is going on? Yeah. Because I I realized that in my heart had love for my father. Wow. And and, and the love part was a thing that had never existed before. Hmm. Okay. So I was like, what is going on? Hmm. So I bought my dad a pair of socks for yeah. Christmas. <laughs> Gave them to him. Um What was his response? He, he accepted that he doesn't understand. He didn't under, doesn't understand the significance yeah. of what it was because I didn't tell him then. Yeah. Um, oh, he was he was happy with them. He prefers licorice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so did he say that or? No, I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure why I didn't get that, but um, so so that was so that was the beginning where where so I was like what is going on and then I realized and so yeah. that that was the first inkling of that something had changed in my life hmm. and so within the next day or two I, I began to realize that that my worldview has changed I love people hmm. um, that and I began to wonder as like. It was like a week, it went two weeks, it went three weeks. It was like, man, I think that I think that my desire for men is gone. Uh-huh. I I could it, it, it all it all happened so subtly. Like there was, it was not like bang, whereas like here I'm struggling, here I'm not I mean it was, but I didn't feel it. Yeah. Right? So a month went by and two months went by and I realized that that uh I'm free. I have no desire anymore. Wow. Sexually for men is gone. And I had this overwhelming realization that Jesus loves me. Wow. Right the way I am. Wow. I couldn't believe it. That's so, so, so Jesus loved me into yeah. the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this time, just... To make sure I'm tracking, my listeners are tracking with you. You you met with this guy ahead of this Christmas gathering, and you basically dumped your whole story for the first time to anybody. Yeah, for the first time, and not even your wife. Like you're married, you have oh, kids. You were putting your right. your oldest right. daughter to bed. Yeah, I was 28. 28. Wow, that's what I am right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you the week after that just realizing 
and you don't remember necessarily you're sure you think you maybe prayed or something but you don't remember a distinct like confessing rebuking and and no. all this um, no or renouncing not rebuking yeah <laughs> um, no yeah no but that. all of a sudden you have a love for your dad a, a love for people and a lack of sexual desire for men that's right wow. yeah and my heart wasn't hurting anymore yeah so was was there something about that night with that that guy that friend that you discovered a different perspective of Jesus or was it just him being Jesus to you? And I think, you? So. I think just him being Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it was a relief to have told someone finally. Hmm. Uh, he obviously hmm. didn't know what to do. The guy is not even married. So you felt yeah. like, he oh, wow. his head. but I trusted him. That was the main yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, for me, it was, I didn't, I felt rotten that night. I wasn't feeling well. Yeah. Uh, I had a cold, but, uh, it felt good to have told someone. Um, yeah. He obviously said, I need to talk to my wife about this. And I didn't understand at that point yet why I would need to. Because hmm. this was a different thing than anything that I was doing in my marriage. Wow. Um, but I did the very next day. And so that was difficult, very difficult for my wife. It broke her trust in her father. Yeah, um, yeah talk about that a little bit. Like, did it, how, how all did it affect your marriage as a... And, and so the the interesting thing about it is that the uh, actual, the, 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 the benefits of becoming a Christian were so huge that they, they outweighed by far the downsides for yeah. the two of us, by far. Yes. I, I, my wife was married to a different person. Wow. Uh, but definitely she was going through a ton of stuff mm. um, dealing with, they were a close family, hmm. and uh, she was dealing with uh, the betrayal of a of, of, of a father with his favorite daughter. If you know, if that may be a thing, she was. Wow. Yeah. So, like, there was nothing when she heard this story. It didn't like ah. Now I understand some of these weird events, but it was just complete no. cluelessness. It was was out of the blue. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and so you know. In hindsight, we should have known. Um, you know, as far as, you know, my, these things on his side were happening years before I came along. This was a lifestyle for him that was hidden up until that point. When I told my wife, I didn't know yet if he would repent. I had no idea what he'd do. I was afraid to be angry with me. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what he'd do, yeah. but it didn't matter. This was about me. So for, for me, it was very powerful to be able to say, look, I've told someone about this because yeah. um, I want it to stop. Yeah. Um, it turned out really well. Hmm. He was looking for an out as well, and, and so that was the beginning of the end as well for him. Yeah. Um, so our life changed like crazy. Um, it was wonderful. Um, at the same time, it was difficult to go through those dynamics. No one else knew. Yeah. Um, so it was just us. It was very lonely. Yeah. And uh, but I resolved that no one would ever know. Hmm. No one in, would ever know. 
as in you you made sure no one would ever know or you just realized that that people wouldn't really care uh I, we i made sure that nobody would ever find out okay. it wasn't safe to yeah yeah you know i was afraid of what our church would do to start with yeah um and just the whole dynamics of and the shame of facing people after they knew about it, it just wasn't ever gonna it just was never gonna happen. It was yeah. it was out of the question. Yeah. Eventually I got really um ups, uh, pissed off that uh I wasn't free to share what Jesus had done in my life. Hmm. Yeah. I couldn't walk around and say, Jesus set me free from homosexual desires like this. Yeah. And it really frustrated me. Yeah. And, and that's eventually why, that's eventually the reason why I went to my church and uh, told them. Because I needed to be free to talk. I needed, you wanted to, be, to, share. Yeah. I needed to be free to say what Jesus has done in my life. Wow. And it didn't matter what they would do. I needed to be free to talk. Hmm. Whatever they did was went with them. So um, they excommunicated me. Wow. For becoming a Christian, I guess I'm not sure. So, yeah, for is is that what they said? No. Or was it? Um, it's just what they had to do. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't know how to deal with someone with that kind of story, or what? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. It's uh, at that point. Just a year prior to that, there had been another similar uh, same-sex case that got dealt with incredibly poorly and badly as well. In your church? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. And so I think the reason why they had to was to be consistent with the way they handled that case. Huh. Um, I'm not sure, for sure. Interesting. So that, uh, that case, it wasn't like the guy had been born again and set free necessarily or what? I don't know a lot of yeah. details about it. It's a big church, right? Yeah. I don't really know the people. So, so, so that was, that was difficult. Hmm. That was, that was the hardest time of our life by far. Especially because you're looking, you're sharing because you want to be able to talk about what Jesus has done. And now the Jesus's people just kicked you out. That's right. Yeah. And we felt more support from people outside our own church, hmm. the, uh, which was really hard, difficult to, 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 to understand because um, we were a good church. That's how we were taught. There, here's the reasons why that make us why we are doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. Every church, I think, does that. You know, yeah. here's kind of the value proposition of our church, and that's what makes you want to be here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very quickly, we didn't want to be there. And we were getting more support from outside than inside. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I'd. I want to. I want you to finish your story first, but I'd like to come back to that just because I know um, one of the guys that reached out to me talked about how he told he was facing same-sex attraction, and from what I understand, he hadn't acted out on it yet. And but he went to the church leaders because he wanted help, mm -hmm. and they told him that they don't support that lifestyle, and and so he felt very disillusioned, and um, 
I actually feel really bad because he's he's the one that I went back later and tried to find uh, the message and discovered he's no longer on Facebook. Because um, I, yeah, I my heart went out to him. And, yeah. But he talked about how he felt he found more care and support from the LGBT community than from the church. And yet he loved Jesus. He wanted, yeah. he I'm wanted sure. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're saying, I mean, this isn't, you found support from other Christians. That's right. Just not in your church. That's right. Yeah. There was a couple within, within our church, but uh, very few to think of how large it is compared to, to everywhere else. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's redefined our friendships. It, yeah. it re- that event redefined every friendship we had. Wow. It, it redefined. So, so getting excommunicated, we lost our uh, friends and our family mm-hmm. and our church all in one day. Wow. Um, Your family, because they were a part of that church, or did they not accept you either? Really? Well, my father-in-law was uh, on on the one side. Yeah. Yeah. And my brother-in-law was the deacon. On, on uh, my family's side. How do you deal with the dynamics of that? Wow. Yeah. We're stuck between two families: the one who's the church, and the other who's on the other side. Um, My family is stuck between. If we're going to say that they're going to support someone, who are they going to support in our family? Yeah. Yeah. And and. uh, my wife's family was going through yeah all the same things we were and my family was too so yeah. how how do you how do you deal with that yeah yeah the, the, the makes her a little breathtaking but uh it is what happened yeah um so, so dealing with that and, and the shame of having misrep- having the story misrepresented by the church, what I really wanted was to stand up in church and say that I was that I was uh, in bondage and that Jesus had set me free, mm-hmm. that I was a free man, that I was a Christian now. That was my heart's desire. And for some reason I thought that could happen, but it's not the way things are done there. And I knew that. Yeah. That was still my heart's desire. So, so it was tough to deal with that too. Yeah. Uh, that misrepresentation of what happened, yeah. and it was that bad that you wondered if they understood. Hmm. There is definitely people who do, but it's, it's it's just, yeah, yeah. As in, they if they understood just the story in general, or even understood exactly what Jesus had done for you. It, I wondered if they understood that Jesus sets people free from bondage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whether whatever whatever bondage it is, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know there is people who do, yeah, right. But uh, well, even my my question when you talked about the, your church's response initially, the the question I immediately had was like, was there sin being dealt with regularly? Like, did did the church know how to deal with? And I guess that's a question for the broader church in general. Is like, do we? Because it's we don't just have sexual sins; we have all kinds of sins that are equally horrible and and um, appalling 
that's yeah. not the right word in God's eyes, but do we as a church know how to deal with those sins and do we regularly deal with them in our mm-hmm. own a sin of even just steep bitterness or um yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. so yeah i i resonate with your question of do they understand and how many of us listening here now do we understand that jesus isn't just this thing we assent to intellectually on sundays and talk about but he can wants ac- to ch- actually change our lives that we're he wants to change your life yeah, yeah. Yeah. If Jesus isn't changing your life, then that's not the gospel. Wow. He loves you into the kingdom. He doesn't pound you and make you feel bad. No. But he changes your life. That's right. That's this. That is the gospel. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Did, did you have more? more to That's that? in a nutshell part of what we went through. There was yeah. a you know a, a simultaneous story that ran alongside that one, where I was getting in trouble um, at church out over the same period of time because I'm an IT guy and I use the internet and the church's content filter wasn't working great for us. So uh. there was a meeting that happened three months after I became a Christian. I was 28. For the first time in my life, I know in my heart that Jesus loves me and that I am a Christian. Wow. When I die, I am going to heaven. Yeah. Um, in that meeting, there was a leader who felt threatened by our disobedience, and he said that disobedience is sin and that I'm in danger of the judgment. Hmm. And I sat there, and, 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 and it's kind of like my eyes opened, and I was like, Wow. I understand more about grace than he does. Yeah. And my heart went out to him. Wow. I mean, not, not in the moment, but as I wrapped my head around, it was like, yeah. you can't say that when you know what I do. Yeah. So, so that was happening at the same time as, as this. So our life was complete church chaos. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't, uh, can't describe that. So, so, so uh, eventually we left. We realized that when you're excommunicated, excommunicated, you're more of a member than when you are a member because you're not free to leave. Really? Um, as in any other Mennonite church won't take accept you oh, as yeah. members because of your prior status without some without some uh, you know paperwork happening. Yeah. So we stayed a while. Um, and eventually it just wasn't working. So we left and you, you had changed so dramatically, um, as to what was important, um, because we had lived life where it was just, it was the bare bones of the gospel. That is what gets you through life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And which is what? ought to get us through all of life that's right that's right (laughs) Um, wow so you you then found you like you're you're going to another church now just not you haven't been able to become members yet or you just haven't decided to yeah yeah well like saying earlier there's there's challenges in my mind with that that feel like compromise as well 
Yeah. Uh, because we're not going where we would have chosen to. We're going where, where God said to go. And, and, and right now, honestly, it feels like that reason has just really recently closed. Oh, okay. uh, there was some people that we met there who we walked with and we wouldn't have met them any other way than have it by having gone to that church when we did. Oh, okay. And our lives met for a time and, and we, we were able to help and, and, and they're beginning to, to walk on. So okay. it, yeah. it feels like the end of a period again there. So yeah, that's where we're at for a church. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, I, I, want to come back to some things here as well but in the email you mentioned how god has opened the doors in the last couple of years to walk with some other young guys that do they have similar stories or are they just guys with struggles that you're you're walking with or how yeah they're they're all over they're not all the same um, the most dysfunctional ones are my favorites because they're what I resonate with and they're the ones where Jesus needs to do the most work to transform them and, and, and he does. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's been uh, pretty cool to see that. Are these guys, do you have sons? Are they friends of your sons or, or how, how, how do they find out about you? Through the person we met at the church we're going okay. to now. Yeah. So it's opened a whole door of relationships that has been great. And, yeah. and, and, and just teaching, teaching them, dis- discipling them. Hmm. And, 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 you know, Romans 12 too. It's, it's by the, by the, uh, our minds. Yeah. The renewing of our minds. Yes. Yeah. Not, not by our clothes. Yeah. Amen. Right. We're, we're transformed, not conformed. Yeah, and, and to see that reality that become real in their lives, and as like the light goes on, and you see these people just go under their own steam is, wow. is the most rewarding thing ever. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And so, as Paul says in Romans eight, be, because of the love of Christ, we are more than conquerors. Not only are we set free from right. our sin and our bondage, but then we can help set others free. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, for, I mean, there's it, it no different than anything else, you know. Um, whatever whatever the, the struggle is, whether it's lust or homosexuality or bestiality or yeah. whatever, suicide, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. yeah. That is the tactic of the devil. Yeah. Those things happen to a lot of people. Yeah. And, and I talk to lots of them all the time. Yeah. And every single one thinks that they're alone in this, and that's not true. It's wow. just not true. Yeah. Well, and it's it's crazy because we can think that even as struggling with our heterosexual temptation for porn or something, and that's that's more talked about than anything else in the church. Yeah. Like the church is becoming yeah. okay with that, and yet we yeah. still, in that moment or in the middle of that struggle, feel like we're the only ones. We're messed up. How much of that? Like obviously, um, it's obviously it's a tactic of the devil. But how much of that is maybe compounded by the fact that so many of us grew up in Christian homes and kind of assumed we should be free from this? Mm-hmm. But I'm not. You know, at least that's kind of yeah. how it was in my story. I'm a pastor's yeah. son. Yeah. I I know what the Bible says about walking in freedom and being filled with the Spirit. But here I'm walking in failure. Yeah. I think that there's this flaw in our logic 
as, as church people. Um, you know, um, we we have this perception that 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 children of parents who are in the church are better sinners hmm. than than the worst sinners on the street. Hmm. And, and the reality of the matter is that everyone's a sinner until they come to Christ. Yeah. The better sinners are, are still sinners, you know, just because they're dressing, just because they're doing whatever, just because they're yeah. looking doesn't make them any less a sinner. Yeah. yeah. And I think the church forgets to preach that way. Hmm. The church forgets to preach to its own people that they are sinners until they're saints. Wow. Because wow. there's this kind of perception that while well, you're good people, you have good parents. That means that you're good or them world out there yeah. um and is not everyone needs to get to the point where they accept jesus and and let him drive yeah and so just to just to hear again i think you've mentioned it and alluded to it several times but what does it mean when do you become a saint then or when when do you like what does it mean to be a christian yeah well I wanted to do what's right, so I got baptized when I was 17, which was a little young maybe than some, yeah. but not necessarily way out there. But uh, and, and so the, the desire to do good was there, but nothing had changed my life. Um, I look back at that, and I don't know for sure. I definitely didn't understand what I do now. I don't, I, I'm judging my own life if I say what I was then. I don't know. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that uh, that at uh, 28, I, I came to this real, true realization that Jesus loves me and that He has changed me, and, and the difference was that I had gotten to the end of myself. Mm-hmm. We weren't doing things on my terms anymore. Mm-hmm. My terms had run out. Yeah. Um, up until that point, I didn't believe Jesus loves me. I was, I was rejecting His love. I really was. I didn't look at it that way. It was just my prideful rejection of Jesus is really what it was and so yeah i've begun to ramble here i hardly remember what your original question was i guess what uh well what uh what it means to 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 me now it means that uh that's the only reason why i get out of bed anymore because jesus loves you because jesus Jesus. and yeah and um there's, I mean, I have a job, I have a family, I have, I have friends and, and hobbies, but the number one desire in my life, the one, number one motivator has mm-hmm. to be what God wants for me to do today. Hmm. Mm-hmm. If yeah. it's not, then he's not on the throne. Yeah. Yeah. But that, like that desire to want to do what God has for you today came from if i'm hearing your story it came from discovering and accepting because you, you said you were rejecting it the yeah. love jesus and his love for you yes and, yes and so, so the benefit i had was that it was not it became an actual experience i felt it yeah where i think for a lot of people it's this head knowledge thing yeah that hasn't become real yeah and and i don't know how to make that happen for people yeah. um you know, there's a mark in my life where I became changed, and 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 I can't. If if that's not real, then nothing is, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so I can go back to. But for someone who is where I was, where where it was all just words and knowledge in my head, um, 
that's a tough way to be a Christian. I'm not yeah. sure if it's, <laughs> you know, yeah. at least get to our heart. And like, I can, I can identify with that very much because the, the breakthrough moment for me, excuse me, was to me, it kind of felt like a combination. Like I had all this head knowledge of Jesus love and what, you know, that, um, a big thing in my story was I had learned bondage breaking prayers. I don't know if you're familiar with. Yep. And so I would, you know, when I would sin or look at pornography or something, I would pray this prayer. And it's, it was just like it never felt like that broke the bondage. Yeah. And finally one night, just like you, being at the wit's end, I had come home from Bible school where I was, I learned so much and felt like literally felt on fire for God. Mm-hmm. And then like the last week just got into stuff that was like normal, yeah. what seemed like normal. And, yeah. and I was just at the, at the bottom of my, what I knew to do. And in that, it's kind of mixed up a little bit, um, the timeline of it because it, yeah, it was kind of a combination of several things, but basically just discovering that, God forgives me even when I'm not doing things right or even seeking his forgiveness. Like mm-hmm. God has forgiven me and God yep. loves me. Yeah. And when you can feel that, like you said, yep. something you can experience, it literally sets you free. Yes. In a in a overnight like for me, it's not I've had temptations since then, but to resist those temptations are are like blowing a feather away mm-hmm. as opposed to getting this mountain off your back because I've felt what it feels like yeah. to know the love of God. Yeah. yeah. I think that's key. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. So what do you do? I- yeah, just kind of more a pastoral question. What do you do when you're walking with people who are needing that but you can't like you we can't create that experience for them no we can't we we need to uh, we I have been on a, on a growth journey um, I can't do Christianity anymore without uh, the leading and the guiding and the directing of the Holy Spirit hmm. Um, without that, we are flying blind and I don't think we teach well on that. What walking in the spirit is, what it is. Um, if we're not led by the spirit, then we're not doing the father's will. Hmm. So, um, but the people who will be led by the spirit are only the ones who will do because uh, because God is like a father, and and when I you know the kids ask for candy a lot, and I say no a lot. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when they ask for the things that line up with my will, I say yes. It's easy to say yes then, and then God's no different. Yeah. So so when I begin to ask for the things that God wants for other people, they happen. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so that's the challenge for the pastor. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, 
and, uh, and and to be to be open to hear from the spirit and to resolve that that the only thing that matters is to obey hmm. um, if if the spirit tells me to do something and I don't that's like telling your kid to do something and they don't yeah. um, we're not on the same level as God obviously but God will find someone else to tell who will do it yeah is my point yeah. you know so in regards to pastoring people if we aren't submitting and asking and uh, to the holy spirit then I, we're not very effective yeah. yeah um you know when jesus ascended then he said he's sending the spirit and to replace him and what kind of drove me or what what started this journey was the was the fact that well if we're supposed to believe at all what Jesus said, then he's saying that the Holy Spirit would be an adequate replacement for himself on this earth. Wow. Well, an adequate replacement to me would seem like someone who's like having Jesus right here. Yeah. Who I can ask questions and get answers from. Yeah. And, and I guess that's what I'm saying, that the Holy Spirit should become to us. Hmm. Someone we're dialoguing with, listening to, obeying, just, just as yeah. if Jesus was right here and we were... That's right. Yeah. Because that's what he's saying that the spirit was coming to do. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. No, that's good. What um? How how much time do you, are you pressed for time here? I've no, got, I'm fine. I've, I've okay. to go up at the. Uh, I've got lots of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there's yeah several things that that I. <laughs> would like to touch on i'm not sure if we'll have time for it all but just since we're on the topic of of church and um yeah and, and just to clarify what when i when we're talking about pastoring people or walking with people that's any of us as we meet people who are struggling with with sin or bondage or um, maybe it's our spouses our own children um you're uh Oh, you, you were talking about coming to the end of yourself. That's and key. I, I immediately thought of parenting right now because there's some things <laughs> that I feel like, um, yeah, need to come to the end of myself in parenting so that God's yeah. spirit can work. And um, So there's so many things that we learn on these journeys of bondage to freedom or what, whatever it is that even if your story doesn't match up with Ken's or mine or whatever, it it's applicable um, in many ways. A question that I have is how can churches, so kind of dovetailed on the, the question we discussed briefly earlier, like church, the church's reaction to your story and question of how do we deal with sin, period, um, how can churches create a safe environment for people to share a story similar to yours? And even, so yours is mixed, mixed in you have this, this de desire and this longing for, which you, it's, it's incredible to me. I don't know if this is normal or not. For me, it wasn't this way to identify that what you're really looking for is, is love. Like mm -hmm. to me, it was all this vague thing mm -hmm. until like, that's what 
when I realize what I'm looking for is is love in Jesus, that's almost what set me free. And that's right. yeah. all my sexual struggles were just kind of convoluted in there. Right. But you were able to identify that somehow and recognize that you're longing for love. And it seemed... Um, it was in part, I knew I was looking for love, but I didn't know that I was looking for Jesus' love. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, like, I... That's the that's the funny part. Yeah, yeah, but so I guess what I was trying to say is you you had that journey of the looking for love, take um, and then you you had the level of acting on it, whether it was at eight years old or forget if you said in teen years at all, but then with your father in law, the living in in sin, um. Like I guess this is the 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 big question or big debate like what would you see your desire for that love or desire sexual desire for men as sinful or is it the acting on it that sinful the the sin starts when uh, the lust starts the desire isn't isn't something you can do about yeah, yeah. um the it's what you do with it yeah yeah and that's yeah that's that's where that's what i would feel too like we can't yeah control our desires yeah we come we come as sinners into this world yeah with in some shape or form so is that everyone has a thing something that that they're that they're that they're going to deal with yeah on some level or other yeah it's all about what we do with it. And in, in a way, kind of, if God's design is that we have one sexual partner for life, then to desire a sexual partner that isn't that one sexual partner at any point in time is essentially kind of broken, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like definitely. He, even it's, if it's, it's just another lady or, you know. That um, is too. Yeah. 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 And so the reason I'm I'm making that distinction is because there are some people who are facing this desire but they don't have a safe place to talk about that desire. It's not like they've actually acted out on it yet. Kind yep. of kind of because there's this um I'm not sure what the word is, but this it's it's foreign to people maybe. I don't know. Um Yeah. It's yeah. not talked about, it's not and, talked about. And, and what do you do with it? Yeah. So I'd like, I'd like to hear some it? of your thoughts. Like what, what do we do with it? How can, as a church, how can we? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I was saying, it says part of that person as anything else is of anyone else, right? Yeah. So um, you just can't be surprised. Would be would be a good start, and uh, not acting shocked and like oh my yeah like yeah. that's way out there it's not yeah lots of people struggle this way yeah. uh, it's just not been addressed ever and, and I don't like to even make it a, a um elevate it it's just another thing yeah in my mind yeah. right it's just another way of brokenness yeah. Um, 
so, but definitely to accept a person for, so, so that when I look at Jesus example on me, the, the, uh, realization that I'm loved Hmm. and the realization that I'm accepted exactly the way I am is what changed my life Hmm. because I never felt accepted or or good enough as I was. I was a perfectionist, always trying to be better. And Jesus broke that in me. I still like uh, perfect things, but it's wow. I can manage now. Not the perfectionist that's that's really difficult to be around. Yeah, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Um, so so I have to look at Jesus' example and and how my life changed because of what he showed me. Um. I would say those two were key. Hmm. Hmm. His love and his acceptance. And acceptance. Yes. And so, as as I was. Yeah. And so maybe we almost like we can listen to that and hear that and think, okay, let's model love and acceptance to others. But it's not necessarily going to be felt unless we're we we know that of Jesus as well ourselves. That's right. Yeah. That's right. A person who hasn't experienced it can't can't emulate it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. That's powerful. What um how how would you this maybe putting you on the spot a little bit. I've already put you on the spot and sharing your stories. <laughs> um if you could have written the story of your church's, you know, you sharing with your church, and and then instead of them excommunicating you, what would you? How would you have written it, or what do you think would have felt like a much more meaningful kind of a icing on the cake of what Jesus is doing in your life? Kind of thing. yeah, yeah. The the ability the uh, the opportunity to testify would have would have um would have done it yeah uh because that was my heart's desire i couldn't keep quiet about what jesus had done in my life and i wanted one to know yeah didn't know that jesus can do this because i didn't know and now i did yeah and i hadn't felt like i really heard it from anyone else and i was wondering if they know Yeah. yeah um but just the the chance to say that I was in bondage and Jesus mm-hmm. set me free. That is, that's what I wanted. Yeah. Um, for me personally, cause that's what happened. Now, um, if someone is on a different path where, where the struggle is, is, is more longer than that, you know, it, it's a different journey for every person yeah. Yeah. and we have to be okay as the church with however that journey goes for each person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let them let them share about what God is doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, I th- we we all want to be able to tell our stories, and yeah. What um, I I have some questions that could could almost be a podcast in themselves, but um, <laughs> this. The, the the part of your story that really intrigues me because i think it pricks at some some misconceptions in our american 
or Western mindset mm-hmm. view of sexuality. You, you've, you said at the beginning that you were born this way. You don't remember, right? Being, you don't know if it was tied with the early abuse that you had or not. It was just, uh, no. and I've heard from others. Uh, maybe can someday have them on the podcast as well. But who, like, kind of the stereotypical person who struggles with same-sex attraction is well maybe abused or like has a really domineering mom and a passive dad or something that mm-hmm. like there's some kind of dysfunction going on yeah which i yep. i've heard stories that are like that that and mm-hmm. even even yours involves a level of abuse and so forth so not discrediting that but but there's also stories of just normal seemingly healthy homes and a guy or a, or a girl struggles with these same sex desires, uh, sexual attraction to someone of their same same gender. Um, forget why I was making that distinction, <laughs> um, but the the thing that intrigues me is though that was an early experience for you you still went on and got married. Right. Even though you also said you've never lusted after a woman or you never, I assumed that meant desired sex. Yes. So talk about that a little bit. Like what what was the process with that? Um, Because I didn't want my mom to be washing my clothes when I'm 40. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was a part of it. So that would mean that you need to get married. It's also yeah. culturally acceptable, and that's what you do. And I wanted a family. Yeah. Like I was saying, that was a, a different thing than the struggle yeah. inside of me, yeah. marriage. So um, on the note about lusting after uh, a woman, I feel like a lot of uh, heterosexual relationships – are driven more by lust than 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 the man ever realizes. That's exactly what I was gonna try to poke um, at a little bit. And I feel like they justify it because they're a man, and it's just how you are. Mm-hmm. Because if I sit in a brothers' meeting and say that, man, I just am lusting a lot after all the guys on the sidewalks in the summer because of mm-hmm. all their uh, short sleeves and shorts and and uh, please pray for me I think that the response would be get a grip take ownership and so you know not having struggled with lust towards women that's the response kind of in my heart when I hear hmm. other heterosexual men you know, justify the lust in their in their life is kind of it's kind of how it sounds to me. Yeah, yeah. But I think they fool themselves into thinking that this is like the godly and right way to lust. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think there's a lot of godly and right way to lust, and yeah, even even a lot of guys um, having sex with their wives. Where, like you said, it's it's actually yeah. lust acting mm-hmm. out on our lust. That's right, and it's selfish. Yeah, we think of lust yeah. as as being a desire for someone that's not our wife. 
Yes. But it's really a desire to sa- to satisfy a sexual thing. Yeah. For me, it's all yeah. about me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that line gets blurred a lot. Hmm. Um. And so, maybe you had more thoughts you were gonna share. They ran away. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I am really two things. I, I'd love to hear more. Like this, obviously, no doubt, had to be monumental for your wife. Um in so many ways like obviously mm-hmm. you touched on it the the disillusionment with her with her own dad was there was there at all a struggles in your own marriage to to trust you or or was it you coming free and t- being open and honest did it almost kind of like ah, release some of the air that was maybe there but just seemed kind of normal um it- Totally changed our marriage better for like big time. Um, My wife trusts me and that humbles me because she shouldn't. Um, You know, I've proven unfaithful. Um, The change in me was so big that it helped offset those things. Yeah. Um, Definitely were things to go through. Definitely struggles after she knew what, my struggle was and yeah. where I'd been. Um, and, and that's, that's the devil trying to, um, destroy our relationship now. Yeah. yeah. Really is what that yeah. is. Yeah. So, and he's trying to do that to every relationship out there. So that's just the way that he tries to destroy ours. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, we're happily married. Yeah. Wow. And, Praise God. And, yeah. It's our, our relationship keeps growing. It's it's crazy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't stopped. Yeah. And and just to clarify, like any any one of us guys who have lusted have been unfa- have proven unfaithful to our wives. That's we're, right. That's right. And so there's very little difference between thinking in your mind and actually doing. Yeah. There yeah. there is virtually no difference. I and I have twenty twenty vision on that. There, there really isn't much difference. The only difference this is doing. Yeah, yeah. Because every lustful thought would if it could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that the fact that it's just a thought, if we can repent and turn away there, that's obviously right. Obviously, can save some incredible damage. Yes. Then, the then, consequences are very different. Yeah. The like the real life ramifications are, but the actual, the 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 spiritual aspect of the doing is it's no the it's yeah. like, is the exact same. Yeah, and I think like something that I thought about as as you were sharing is that there's a lot of guys, a lot of us who are tempted. Like I, I think the fact that you, well, I don't know. It just seems kind of significant that you didn't even see you were kind of surprised that the guy suggested you should share with your wife and Mm -hmm. and so you did i forget if you said why um just because he said so or he said so yeah yeah Yeah. and and, but you were sharing you were talking with him because you were at the end of yourself and you wanted free whereas i think there can be a temptation when we're married to to talk with our spouse as a 
a feeling of getting this off our chest like this and and we're not actually at the end of ourselves yet right and that builds distrust right if i'm not uh, yeah. yeah 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 and so i go for go for it i can't relate to that because it didn't happen to us yeah uh, but uh, definitely that would definitely that would build distrust. Yeah, yeah. Because now, did you mean it or didn't you? You know, mm-hmm. if you mean yeah. it, then 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 do it. But uh, yeah, yeah. So what is? And and here's the thing that I think could be explored more in depth at time. But I would I would like to just get some some thoughts. What is? the purpose of sex because we see marriage like the the when we go to get married kind of the traditional popular yep. mainstream thing is ah now we can have sex yep and we can even like what's the purpose of family you touched on how you wanted to have a family and so you need to marry a lady in order to have a family um mm-hmm. But I think in in a lot of ways, we uh, anymore are kind of centered around sex, having sex, and families like a biblical byproduct of that. And marriage yeah. is the the proper arrangement. Yeah. But we what we're after is sex, and yeah. it's fascinating. Think- yeah, just to hear you, like, do you now feel sexually attracted to your wife or? And maybe maybe it'd be better to have you both in on this conversation. But like, what what is because I think there's some lessons to learn in that. Um, what is the purpose of sex? Yeah. Yeah, it has the. I mean, it has definitely changed my view on sex and lust in marriage and all those things in a big way because we have now the opportunity of having the experience we had and and learning from it, but. I don't understand God completely. He's pretty cool that he created sex. I think that's that's yeah. <laughs> awesome and yeah. you know unique. I mean, the whole idea is is pretty intriguing, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you think about it on a God level, as created by God, yeah, yeah. and good. Yeah. Um, and when we yeah, it's and then we have Jesus and the bride, and we're supposed to love our wife like. Christ loved the church and it's like what does that look like hmm. mm-hmm. you know um, it, the marriage relationship includes sex and on, on but that's it's uh, sex is about fulfilling your partner hmm. and when that mission is accomplished you have been fulfilled Wow. In, in a greater way than than you would have otherwise. Mm. So and, and uh, children happen because of it, mm-hmm. um, as well, which is also mandated in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but sex to please yourself is definitely not the definitely not the the reason why sex was created for marriage. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah the i don't know if that makes sense yeah no it it makes perfect sense to me i think it's 
I think if we're honest, that's kind of not the default way we view. Or, or it's many not of the us. way. Yeah. No, it's not yeah. the way we. Um, it's not the way we're programmed at all. Yeah. Um, what motivates most of sex is a selfish desire yeah. Yeah. for for sex. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm not saying that it is wrong to desire sex, mm-hmm. but uh, but it should be motivated. In sex, it should be motiv- motivated to um, ultimately your partner fulfill your partner. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's like the most uh, physical, intimate culmination of a relationship experience. Yes. And just like, and it's beautiful in that context. Yeah. Because the world and, and, and the devil will portray sex as something for yourself. So how do we enjoy that? Um, how do we enjoy that when we have the world's terms in our mind? Yeah. Right. We have to get a clear grip on, on what it is and that it's good and it's healthy and it's yeah. God created and ordained and mm. he wants to enjoy it yeah. on his terms. Yeah. It's yeah. very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And just like Jesus came, he was equal with God, but he didn't grasp that. He came to earth and became obedient even to the cross, dying. Like that's kind of the intimate, most physical expression of God's love for yeah. us as creation. Yeah. And then we we take that and we, in our sex, we give that love to our partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Um what would if so did did sex whether it's before you met Jesus or even now if um or let, let's let's go back to thinking when you felt desire for men would sex with your wife ease that at all? No. No. It was it no. was completely separate. Well, it would ease the sex drive for a day or whatever, but yeah, but just biologically the, the hormones. There's no way there. to fill the desire for sex with men. That was yeah. a that that was not something that I, I gave up trying. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's ultimately what led me to Jesus. Yeah. I, I was trying and failing in that area to meet yeah. that need. It was just not possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that's really interesting. Oh, and I wonder how many of us are living in even marriage and we're using sex to fill a need that is intended to be met by God. By God. It's very possible to do. Yes, it is. Yeah, we have to examine Mm ourselves. So what would you, maybe just to wrap up our time here, if you're you're talking with uh, single guys, Anybody single who, who's not married, um, so in, in other words, they can't have sexual intimacy with another person, but they're facing same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. What 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 is your word to them, or what is? I mean, obviously, as you just said, just if if you're a yep. guy, being married yep. isn't going to change that necessarily. No. It's a different thing. A realization that God loves you will change you, hmm. and and validating the, that kind of person is very powerful for them. Wow! 
um, to say that, no, even in your failures, you are loved by God. Oh my God. Yeah. You can't do anything to change that. Wow. Um, for, for a person to hear that out loud is, is validating and, and it, because they're doubting themselves. Hmm. How am I even a Christian with what I'm doing or into or did or have done? It's great when the story is like mine where you're free in a day, bam, off you go. Yeah. Amazing. But it's not the reality for lots of people. Yeah. And sin is sin as we elevate one over another and God doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, um, all those built-in reactions that we get when we fail work against us coming to f actual freedom. Yeah. We have to do and say the things that seem like the wrong thing to say at that point in time. We like to validate the guy who's doing a great job, mm. you know, mm. and the one who's doing the worst job yeah. is the one who needs it the most and that will build him out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of I mean, there's there's lots of things that that pull, can factor into into that those kind of those, there's no cookie cutter yeah yeah thing, but uh, the approval of God in a person's life is huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it reminds if, if I'm not approved by God, then then is pointless. Yeah, yeah. And it reminds me of Galatians six, I think it is, that talks about bearing one another's burdens. Um, where the burden that is leading us to sin, we're, we're as God, as other godly men, we're supposed to surround that person and bear that burden with them. And I think we can sometimes think that means, you know, confronting them and pointing out how bad it is. But what I'm hearing you say, I think it should actually be surrounding them and reminding them of God's approval, God's love. We need to turn them to Jesus because that's the only thing that will change them. Yeah. And they're already turning away from him when they're rejecting themselves about what they've done. Hmm. They already know they've failed. Yeah. And, and more of that won't bring any freedom at all. Yeah. The only thing that will bring them freedom is drawing to Christ, and they can't wait to draw to Christ until they're perfect or they'll never get there. Yeah. yeah. That's works-based sal salvation, right? Yeah. And, so so they're, it's... Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Ken, for for sharing. Um, there, I'm sure we could keep talking more. Maybe we can have you on again sometime. But um, anything else? Any final thoughts or words that you have? That... Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, it's just all about Jesus. That yeah. is. That's 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 where it begins and ends. And and uh, if you're struggling with this, you're not alone. It's just Amen. not true. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Jesus is Jesus is the answer. Yeah. That's, that's all I have to say. Yeah. Anything else will dilute it. Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank. Thanks for sharing. And I'm sure there's going to be quite a few people who um, several things. Maybe just have some questions or. I'm sure there's going to be people who resonate with the story. And so I would love, I welcome any feedback uh, you have 
as a listener, um, you can reach out to me at podcast at asherwhitmer.com. I'd also, Ken, is it okay if people contact you if they have um, sure. questions or maybe they, they're just they're smack in the middle of this with you, with you a similar story or something? And where, how can they reach you? Uh, good question. <laughs> um, where am I? I'm on Facebook. I don't know. Are you going to link me on the blog or yeah, yeah, some way? Should I get send you my email address? Sure. Yeah. If the email we've been going back and forth on, should I drop that? Sure. And then, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You know what? I'll send you a different one. Okay. I might yeah. have to create one. I don't have a personal email account. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> are you Are you good with that? You're, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I, I just yeah, think sure. oh. that's that's uh, that's why I'm here now. Yeah. And so. I can. I, I, I know how to help point people to Jesus, but I I don't have that same story. And I know the power of, of walking with someone who's who has a similar story. And so I'd love if they can, if they do want to reach out, they can contact you. I'll drop the um, the link or the email and so forth in the, the podcast notes and on the blog as well. So, yeah, thanks for being on, Ken. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening. I just wanted to touch base there at the end. We discussed an email that you could contact Ken if you have any further questions or just want to reach out to him. Feel free to reach out to Ken at KenBrewBaker.com. That's Ken at KenBrewBaker.com spelled B-R-U-B-A-C-H-E-R for BrewBaker. Also, we discussed quite at length in the episode um, Ken's relationship with his father-in-law and how his father-in-law was the one who proposed sex, sexual interaction with him and be on the lookout for a future episode because his father-in-law has a testimony to share as well. Both he and Ken are walking in freedom and in victory today and Jesus has done a marvelous work in their lives and I, I hope to have Ken's father-in-law on the show as well in the near future hopefully so definitely be on the lookout just wanted to clarify that I don't think it came across super clear in the episode but just praise Jesus for what he is doing in the lives of Ken and his father-in-law thanks for listening